Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your uh, three-day holiday weekend going? Uh, good and low-key. That's what I said, low-key. Okay. We, okay. We, we, you started we, out with a question mark there, but I, I see now where you were going. Right. It, it was like I was trying to, to think, and I didn't think about what you were going to ask. And I, uh, you know, for a four-day weekend, three-day, whatever it is, weekend, extra-day weekend off, here in the United States, uh, we have a day called Labor Day. And what is the celebration of, Dennis, that we don't actually celebrate? Um, just based on the name, I would say it's supposed to be a just a, a free day of of recognizing and and celebrating work the workers the laborers uh, the, the laborers so if you are a non-us citizen canadian or otherwise uh let me tell you it actually means nothing we don't actually celebrate anything <laughs> we don't do anything it is a federal holiday that we all just take off to have off i mean like that is so many of our holidays in the united states it's right. really just about food and possibly um, spending time with family yeah. or friends or both and getting a day off work, which is really, you know, labor. I know that in Japan, their version of this is called Labor Thanksgiving, which is like... That makes sense. Thanks for your workers. It's like Secretary's Day, but for everybody. That makes sense. Secretary's which, Day you know, is I, an informal... I have that whole US philosophical holiday. thing about, you know, we work five here in America. We work five days out of the seven, uh, eight hours out of our, what, 16 waking hours. It, it's a funny in thing. Theory, that, yeah. You know, we, we decide that only one day out of the year, are we okay to take it off and celebrate it? The rest of the time, you know, the, the owners of companies in the world are like, get back to work. <laughs> sure. our, our lives are centered around work instead of, you know, enjoying the rest of being alive, but ugh, whatever. So I, did not spend a ton of think time. We had a ton of things going on this weekend here around Bloomington. Um, Garlic Festival. We had Fourth Street Festival, which is kind of a, an arts and crafts international arts. type thing. I've not heard of Garlic Festival. Is that new? Uh, I've been aware of it in the last five years, and I love garlic, okay. so it's pretty great. Sure. Um, but... So we had that. We had some fireworks that didn't happen because of the rain. There was there was a lot of festivals. There's Pride Week. Pride Fest was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a ton of things. I did not get to go to a lot of those, primarily because the people I'm, I was with uh, were feeling under the weather. They were sick. So mm. uh, my girlfriend had come over and her daughter, and we spent the day inside because they were really feeling low energy, sore throats, sniffling, sneezing, coughing. Uh, so... It was good. It was still fun because we were all kind of together in the house, but sadly we didn't get to go out and do a lot of stuff. Um, now my daughter, Sydney, has gotten sick and she's starting to mm. get the sniffles. So we didn't do anything today either because of that, except household stuff, and which is always good too. You know, finally getting, I'm a guy that packs my schedule full of things to do all the time. So having right. time at home to just like do home things unrushed is kind of nice. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I will say uh, some some people I know who did do some some traveling, some uh, uh, what have you for the three day weekend are my family who live in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's my. I, I should just start saying that my family in 
X or Y, like my <laughs> family in Florida are hopefully not going to get destroyed by Hurricane Dorian. Right. That would be right good. How now, are they doing? As, Do you know anything about them? Are they, are they still they're, alive? Or? They're hunkered down. Last I heard, uh, my sister who lives in Tennessee was like, if you, know, if you guys need to, you can always come up and stay at our place. Uh, which is it's about a twelve hour drive for them from Florida up to Tennessee. But well, you know, the choice of a twelve hour drive or dying. It's always a or tough dying, decision, right? You know. It's there to I think when they were saying this was which was yesterday evening, um, it was already too late. Like they're gonna be safer in a house than on the road. Um and some stuff about the meteorologists predicting how far it was gonna stay from the coast. Um I don't I don't know any more than that at this point. But anyway, um, my sister and brother-in-law, who live in Tennessee, flew out to North Idaho, where my brother and sister-in-law live. Um, this is the first time they've been able to get out there since uh, that wedding, which was yep. in 2012. Yeah. Because um, they have four kids, so it's... Yeah prohibitively expensive to fly up there and from here it's probably like a 40 hour drive right where's um, the teleporters when you need them exactly exactly um so they are doing that and i drove down um thursday midday afternoon uh and stayed thursday and friday nights in bloomington made it to thursday night beers and uh just hung out with the Trotskys Saturday or yeah. Friday rather took Friday off work and um, just, just in case there was anything going on mm-hmm. and then, um, and then drove the rest of the way down this past Saturday morning. Um, my brother-in-law's parents were here for however long, I think maybe they visited with them for a while. I don't remember exactly when they left uh, my sister and brother-in-law and their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are gone and I am here at their house uh, taking care of their dogs. Oh, um, they have, that's a nice, kind of like a nice little excursion getaway time for you. Yeah, it's convenient for me because of the uh, the launch of WoW Classic. I have plenty of time to enjoy that guilt-free uh, from, uh, you know, house <laughs> right. housework activity. Housework um, or, or just spending time with other people. You can be like, this is a time where I can just sit with myself and the dogs. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the and it's okay because there's no other obligations. Yeah, there's nothing else that I need to be doing aside from every couple hours taking them outside so that they can relieve themselves. Right. Um, and it was fairly amusing to me because both my sister and my mom were like, are you sure you don't mind doing this? Like, we can board the dogs. You're not going to be lonely or board or anything and i'm like no this is actually perfect timing (laughs) that's right (laughs) which is kind of funny it is a little a little bit unsettling to be in a great big house uh by myself every little creak and and you know air conditioner kicking off is is a little unsettling somebody what's uh, what's going on who's in the house yeah what's happening right right right. um i'm always i'm always worried i'm gonna lock the last door behind me because i keep all the doors locked um (laughs) When I go outside, but, uh, and then you're yeah, stuck in, you're, that, then you're stuck in Tennessee all by yourself with no one to help you out to get in the house. Right. Or outside, <laughs> so, uh, outside, potentially 
potentially without my phone, definitely without my keys. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you're like, but, oh my God, life is over. I'm dead. Just start, just go walk down the street and start all over again. That's, that's the way my brain works. And so now <laughs> I just always, I make sure I turn the handle on the knob when I step outside just to double make sure that it's unlocked. But anyway, I'm here uh, recording live if my audio sounds a little unusual. That's that's why, because I'm recording from a Un- unknown undisclosed are, are we undisclosed are we gonna have the, the dog guest star on the show any of the dogs no i uh i put them in the bedroom so they wouldn't uh, uh they wouldn't be um that's unfortunate i'm sure they would have whatever. several you know talks about the uh the wolf characters on well wait no there is no wolf characters on well right now we're wolf characters yeah there are oh oh you mean you mean worgen no yeah, I did yeah. actually fight some Worgen NPCs earlier, and they, they hit pretty hard. And you're like, um, someday you're going to be controlled by people. Yeah, Greymane is going to come out of hiding, and uh, they're going to tear down that wall. They're going to tear uh, down that wall. Greymane, a.k.a. You know, Gorbachev. If, if you remember that wall near Shadowfang Keep, that's that's where Gilneas is. Right. Um, are you are you without going too much into our because I'm sure we've exhausted just like we did at Star Trek at some point we've exhausted our our Warcraft uh, yeah tolerances unlike, but unlike last yourself? week where where almost our entire show was one big topic and also our movie uh, <laughs> this week we we have a handful of small topics which means the listeners will get to listen to you and I just ramble about random things for 90 minutes <laughs> forever um, hey, but so did you have you enjoyed yourself though uh, while WoW classic been pretty yeah, good time yeah it's it's been a really interesting um, experience. I uh, I'm, I don't know if I've said this on the air before, but in the in the week and a half after I decided for sure that I was going to play, and um, our buddies Blake and Pete decided they were going to play, I couldn't get into any other video game. Like I got on Final Fantasy a, a handful of times just for lack of any, because you know an MMO, you just get in and spend some time. But yeah. any other game I thought about playing, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to make any real progress on this. Um, in the next four days. So what am I going to do? Um, I signed up for a website that does a private server, yep. which is not you a thing did. that you're supposed to do, but a thing that a lot of people do do. It's part of the motivation behind Blizzard doing Classic WoW in the first place. Um, and this was a server that by now is shut down. Like they put on their thing, they're like, "Wow, Classic is coming out, so we're shutting down. We don't need yep. to exist in a world where real Wow Classic exists." Nice. Um, but I got in there just to go through the first ten levels of the Night Elf Zone as it was, um, because it's very different now. Everything's streamlined and a lot closer together. Um, hey, do you have like a? Do you have? I'm just, it's, I don't want to get into the weeds on this thing, but do you are, have the capability to change your interface? Because I know that that MMOs interfaces are a huge thing. And that game went through a billion different interface changes, including being able to modify your own interface later on. There's, are, are this there's WoW Classic still, just have the classic interface and you're stuck with it? or what? They're doing this weird thing. So the, the, um, the private servers are using the old client from 2004. And so there are a lot of features in there that just aren't there. Um, mm-hmm. They just don't work. Like, there, I could not find a setting for auto loot, so I had to click on each item. Right. Um, click to move didn't work. It was just like bugged out. My character would run a little bit and then stop. Um, and so it was just kind of buggy. WoW Classic is running on 
a stripped down version of the current client and infrastructure. Um, there are a lot of features of the game that aren't there because they weren't there. You know, there's no group finder or any mm-hmm. of that stuff. Um, but the graphics are bumped up. It runs in widescreen. It has its own um, macro and uh, um, API uh, interfaces. So there's a whole separate set of of add-ons, um, which is what you were originally asking about. Right. Um, so it's got like it, if you can use the LUA files and things like that for. Yeah, right. the the Lua stuff is still there. I'm running the classic version of the um, Elv UI package, which is what I used on Retail WoW for the last I don't know ten years or something. Yeah. Um, and so that's all there. There's just a lot of. Um, like automatic quest tracking and stuff that's in the modern client is not there. So you have to get an add on for it, which is just how it was back in the day. Um, You know, people made add ons to add functionality to the interface that eventually blizzard would add themselves. They're like enough people use this, that it should just be part of the game. Yeah. You know, in the last year though, while wow classic has got our attention for the last couple of weeks, For the last year, you and I have kind of been doing a bit of a resurrection of our MMO past in general. I know that the two of us, between the two of us, we've we've restarted playing here and there, Guild Wars 2. We still started playing um, WoW. You played like WoW, the newest expansion, because you got back into that. Um, Yeah, I had a a pretty big chunk of of playing Battle for Azeroth and then sort of tapered off for a while. I just never let my subscription laps but you were you were um, out of wow for a, a good bit and then you came back to it um to come into that and then you sure. played you played um final fantasy you also came back to mm-hmm. that you had played before um and now i this last week have, have re-downloaded and started playing the star wars the old republic from uh bioware or i guess they're now part of ea and all that um, so I also got into um, Star Trek Online about and a year Star ago. Trek. I did download that one as well. Although mm-hmm. that one's really difficult because I load that game up, I have it, and even this last weekend I loaded it up right before I downloaded Star Wars, and mm-hmm. I just have a hard time getting into it. I mean, I like, really, I really like do. Literally loading it up, or like no, getting no, figuring no, out what's going on, well, and doing things. Literally getting into loading it up was an issue, but but I had gotten <laughs> that fixed a while back. But no, last weekend I went to, yeah. to play it, but it just there's not a lot of in it's as you have said on so many occasions, it's hard to gamify Star Trek. And, sure. and when I'm making characters, it just doesn't have the same ambition that I want to like I want to get in and do a thing. You know, the, I don't what, know what I want to get that, in and do. Yeah, the thought that crossed my mind when I was playing it was this is almost fun. Like, there are so many cool things. Like, at some point in between, because I played this when it was new, like, yeah. before it went free to play. Right, and I did then too. I, went to, I played in the beta. Qu- quit for whatever reason, and have come back at least twice, because once I had to contact, a, you know, somebody to get my stuff restored, because that game has changed companies like three times. Um, and at some point they added the different franchises. So you can start an original series character and like you fight the Gorn and you meet mm-hmm. a guy from temporal investigations. And I think you do something with the Tribbles and the old Klingons. And then you go through a rift 
and end up in the modern 2300. They might have even gotten closer to 2400 because the, the universe in STO has moved past the shows. Um, but you can still like wear the classic uniforms and, you know, make them different colors and um, all of that stuff. And that's all cool. But I get into the actual combat and I'm like, this is okay. The space combat is pretty good. Um, it's a little bit EVE online where you're just like punching in coordinates and autopiloting and stuff like that. But the ground combat is is just rough. It's very clunky and yeah. uh, you know glitchy. And I'm like, it makes me sad because I can't imagine anybody doing a new one. What the- like, this was the oh, one shot you had to make a Star Trek MMO and this is all it's ever going to be. Yeah. And my thing, even before then, even before all of the mechanics or any of the clunkiness or anything is, it it kept, it all came back down to motivation. When I'm like making my characters or getting to, I'm going through one of the, the kind of nice things was that the, or at least what I launched it, the tutorial part was um, in the discovery timeline. So you had, you're like agent or mm. agent, like a, uh, Tilly is was the person who was walking you around. And you're like, oh, that's cool because I, I like Discovery so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and that, that's when she's in the Academy is when this takes place. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, but th- the real problem was is that, you know, Star Trek is an episodic type thing. It's a storytelling yeah. thing. For, it's, it's, the cre- it's a creature of the week show. It always has been. Oh, right. So, right. so it's it's a what what's going to happen this time? It's not a a long term kind of stuff. Now, Discovery is kind of bucking that trend, um, but the, which makes it fun. But when mm. when I get into to a Star Wars game, there you expect an epic story, or if you get into a, a WoW game, you kind of expect a certain thing, right? You like you just or I expect yeah. quests, or I expect to be running and grinding, or whatever it might be. But when I load up something that has Star Trek on it, my expectations is that I'm going to watch a story. But I right. don't know if I get that in that MMO. It's a lot of reading and then a lot of yeah, reading, I mean, more reading, and then lots of reading. For yeah. for the most part, for most games, for most uh, MMOs that I've ever played, um, they have this RPG thing of doing quests. Like, different games implement that quest system in different ways um one of the things that's kind of cool about um final fantasy 14 is that there's just one story um there's a type of quest that people call msq it's main story quest now those still will do ridiculous things like like wow does and it's it's sort of the way that i differentiate MMOs between Asian style and Western style or Eastern, Eastern Western styles where, um, wow, takes a lot of its cues from the, from the Eastern styles, especially in classic. But, um, you know, in final fantasy, you'll have this thing where like, uh, some group of people are going to summon this giant elemental and we're going to need, you know, some help to defeat him. You should go talk to these guys who are retired, uh, uh, band of heroes and you go and you find the first one and he's like i don't know if you're really worth it's a little bit like a um a yoda or mr miyagi thing he's like yeah uh first i need you to go kill six of these uh storks to prove that you're a a competent warrior and you do that and he's like 
now I'd really like to see if you can kill some of those giant crabs down on the beach. And I'm like, are you serious with this right now? This is All so right. the Eastern and- MO, Eastern RPG happening right now. Um, but it's all one story. Like you can't get lost because there's always one next step. It's like playing a, um, an Assassin's Creed game or something. Um, but anyway, the point I was trying to make is that framework of like, go to this place, do this thing and then report back. It feels, it feels really out of place in a Star Trek, uh, setting. Now, in Star Wars, I'm, you know, not as big of a Star Star Wars fan as you are, but I've played some of the Knights of the Old Republic games and stuff like that. And if you're, especially if you're not playing a Jedi, it makes perfect sense that, um, you know, you play a, a Han Solo kind of character, basically a, a mercenary or a mm-hmm. um, courier kind of thing where you're like, yeah, we need somebody to go over here and pick up a shipment of of you know hyperspace fuel and uh, bring it back to Mos Eisley and yeah then we'll give you some credits like that makes perfect sense in that setting yeah the 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 thing about the the Star Wars game that's different because it's it's a story driven kind of thing too people could say but you're right there it's that's a, a that's one of the world. things that I've heard about it I've never played it but I've heard that its most redeeming feature is the story yeah and, and that's something that with that game that it's it's funny that's that way i feel that maybe the star trek game would have benefited greatly from is that i would have been able to sit through by the way that without delving too much into it the star wars game is almost exclusively voiceovered and cutscenes. so right. every time you walk up to a quest giver they it the camera breaks all the ui is gone and then it you know someone walks up and then it's two walking in a sure. scene and you're doing the little radio wheel where they say words and you click it like bioware games do and mm-hmm. and then it, you know your character actually talks which you pick a voice and stuff and right. and they they talk and they say things it's an interaction for every single quest so you don't have like the wow thing where you have 50 quests in your quest book because <laughs> you know where you just click 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 and go through yeah this one has like six right because you actually have to take the time and listen and talk to, to the guys and right and, and everything right. make and everything makes a, a difference like whether it's your light side points or your companions don't like what you said. And then they have different interactions with you afterwards or like, well, I didn't like what you said with that guy. And therefore you're a jerk and I'm leaving the party or some kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I remember that from, uh, Knights of the old Republic, the yeah. and that, original Xbox game. And that's very much kind of how the, the MMO is, but the MMO was based, yeah, but it, but in a, a massive kind of way. Um, so the, the Star Trek one, that's, that's one of the things I had with that game was hard to get back into as even though I'm a Star Trek fan and I love the world and the what's aesthetic of it, I guess, you know, the ships mm-hmm. and the kind of sci-fi ish yeah, and things. It looks cool. Right. But that being said, not, I don't want to veer topics too much from this one, but I did play the, a couple weekends ago, the, the, uh, Star Trek bridge simulator game with uh, oh, right. our buddy Zahn and his brother Ben. Uh, and mm-hmm. that gave me, I think another thing was that stopped me from playing that MMO is because that game gave me everything I wanted. Like I got to command a, a starship. I got to push the buttons. I got to sit in a captain's chair or the engineer's chair or whatever and run the scans and do the things that I wanted to do. Right. And hear the story along the way. Like we were helping a ship or in a scientific endeavor to help find the Vulcans, a new home planet. You're like, this is mm. cool. This is like an episode. 
And then when you're done yeah. completing that episode, it like you're back to the mission room, picking your mission again. So it's like, oh, this this whole game is set up in episodes, right? Like that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I know you had um, you had talked about that game because we were trying to pick a game to play on the Sunday night group that mm-hmm. meets intermittently, and uh, so I downloaded it and and played it. Went through the the tutorial, which was about as dry and boring as it could be just like a whole list of, of every button and every feature. Um, the game is clearly designed to be VR. Um, you can't do anything with the keyboard. It's all just mouse clicking. Yep. Um, and then I went through the first like training mission or whatever, which was just, it was rescuing some people and shooting down some people. Yep. Mostly like flying from place to place and beaming people out. Right. Um, which is fine. Right. Um, I get the impression that it would be better with other players. Yeah. And it almost feels like, which I imagine is true for a lot of VR games, it feels like a very, very well-polished tech demo. And it, I probably didn't get far enough into the story to to get um some of that experience. Right. Um, the the first but, I, I played yeah. I played as far as you did solo before I played like that. I played the first mission after the tutorial. And then I just mm-hmm. waited until we played. And we played like two missions in after that. And and I will say that it does the the felt like the first the inter, the tutorial and the first mission are still feel kind of like tutorials. They're like easing you into like working yeah. as and a that, team that's, and just that's doing all some of it that I stuff. played. Right. So so then then the other ones are like okay, at episode two and three, it's like all right. By now you should know how to raise shields, and by now you should know how to mm-hmm. do the thing. Where the first <laughs> one was very much like okay, we're not hand-holdy. yeah not 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 just handholdy, but it was like okay, we're telling you to do a thing work out how you do it and you've got plenty of time and we're not going to like kill you. Right. Um, and then the second time is like, no, they're bashing on you, you know, stuff. But the, 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 the second and third time was the best part about that was like, because I did play with people and it was such a different experience because when you're playing single player, mostly you play captain, although you can jump into the different seats. Um, right. And, and you, cause you're like prepare for warp. And then everybody, the, the computer, People do all the things that they're supposed to do to prepare for warp. Yeah. When you're sitting yeah. in the captain's chair in a multiplayer game, you're like, okay, everybody prepare for warp. And then you just sit there and you're like, <laughs> well, no, you're like, who the hell's not charging the coils or, or, you know, what is, and then it's like, who? oh yeah, I guess that's me. And, and then everybody razzes them. And then it's just like, we're all just sitting here waiting on people. We don't know what they do. Right. And and if they don't know what they're yeah. doing, then we kind of suck. And it, we did take a while where we were like, no one knew how to raise the shields. They were like, it's not me. And then one person was like, of course, it was our buddy Zion. He's like, oh, I guess that's what this turn on shields button means. And how do you just you just roll your eyes or but but the other cool parts are, you know, he was super concerned with the fire that was underneath his station the whole time. Like the ship got attacked and it blew up mm-hmm. and he was like. Can somebody take care of this fire? It's like in the my station's face. On fire. You know, it's who, it's on who were you playing with? Just Zahn? Is Zahn and Ben. His brother okay. Ben. And and we had the engineer station and the ops station. Or tactical officer, I guess. Um 
So the, uh, it, it was just, there was so much more of a human element. Like I said, that before yeah. the computers didn't care that there was a, a programmatic fire beneath the thing, but no, Zahn yeah. did. And then, uh, we didn't have to realize that when someone's just sitting around not doing anything, that when we call for them, that they have to be ready to do a thing. The computer, <laughs> the computer is always ready. The computers don't care. Like if yeah. you, it's like, uh, it's probably a little bit like DMing. Like if you don't interact with one of the players for 10 solid minutes, yeah. like they're going to, they're going to, you know, start playing a game on their phone or like go <laughs> exactly. check on their kids or their dog or something like that. And then when you're like, Hey, lay in a course. Who, where's my effing navigator? Right. Like, they're not, uh, you know, not trained military uh, officers. Protect. Right. And and in this game, there are a lot of things that you can do as like when you're you're not like the primary. Like say we're fighting. There's several things mm-hmm. that you can do. And or when we're scanning. A lot of times, I guess the downtime was when we're scanning a planet and the science officer dude has like a lot to do. Um, you just wait for that progress. Bar well, 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 that's the thing is that there are other things, but if you're not proactive, you can just sit there. Like, you know, I should be repairing the engines, repairing the warp coils, or I should be, mm. you know, navigating around the, the nebula instead of just like cruising along right into it because it's not <laughs> that important. Um, so, yeah. but that's a human thing. That's it. Again, when you're playing with just the AIs, they know to, be repairing the systems and to be navigating around the nebulas. But when you're playing with people, it's a whole, it's like four people sitting in a, in a room that, that like everybody do their jobs. Um, but by the second or third time it became like, Oh, I know my job now. And I know I can be doing right. all these kind of things, which has made it really fun. So this goes back to the MMO thing is that like when you're, when I wanted to go up and play star Trek, I kind of wanted to have that experience of being on a ship Dealing mm. with the creature of the week, the problem at hand, and all of us being a task in a team to do stuff. That's very Star Trek. But MMOs of like, hey, I need you to run trilithium crystals from this place to that place just <laughs> does not feel like an episode that I'm... The, yeah, the with. ship combat in in Star Trek Online is very much like... What is it like? Well, it's like any video game where you're just controlling a ship it's like eve like Mm -hmm. eve you're eve online uh you're always just a pilot with a ship flying solo um in star trek you can go to the interior of your ship but you can't do anything in there like you can go into your ready room and like interact with the console and and stuff like that but you can't sit down at one of the stations in combat and like enter in the firing the firing's all done from an external view yeah right yeah the the now that being i i just gave star wars a lot of praise their mmo but their Mm -hmm. space component is awful it makes star treks Mm. look like the genius level of of space (laughs) it's um so the game launched without any space combat or any like space stuff at all there was no ships and things uh, except for cutscenes where you would fly from planet to planet, which they got a lot of flack from. They got a lot of flack to the fact that like you're sure. Star Wars and you don't have any space combat. That's insane. <laughs> and I think it it came down to the, like we need had a whole bunch in this very ambitious game and had came down to a deadline and we had to make mm. a cut. And they like this one's not even ready. So, but they got hugely hit for it, and a lot of people gave them that was their number one terrible thing that people said it doesn't have this. It's not really Star Wars. So they rushed in the very next patch that they had or expansion or something. 
um, was the, the, the space component, which was this, all, all it is, it's, you ever played those like arcade shooters that it's just like you're on rails and it's taking you through a, a thing and you're just like shooting with your reticle around. That's all it is. Oh, mm. like a, like a Star Fox. Like a Star Fox. It's exactly mm. a Star Fox. And, and I you're mean, like, that's not fun. I know that I, I have played, uh, I don't know. The game everybody mentions is TIE Fighter. I don't think yeah. I've ever played that one. I'm sure that I have played at least demos of Star Wars games with combat. Oh, the Starfront, um, the Battlefront games are phenomenal with space combat. Have have some some ships. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I have done that. Yeah, and those are um, great. You play that and you're like, why would I ever play this game in space combat? I can see how it's a little bit like um, MMOs that do action-based combat, like uh, like Diablo style, but in full 3D. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot more going on, right? right. Um, Black Desert is like this, where you can target things, sort of, but there's no tab targeting. Um, your abilities all just work as you press them, and there are a bunch of combos and stuff. It's much more active combat than uh than a game like WoW or Guild Wars or Final Fantasy. Right. With the tab targeting and just use your skills on cooldown. Um and so I'll, you know, say the thing I always say contrasting Star Trek and Star Wars uh space combat. Um Star Wars space combat is like planes dogfighting and Star Trek's is like ships in 2D. Um right. even though they're in three-dimensional space, they pretty much always behave like they're in two. Yeah. And you know, all the classic shows and stuff. So that makes the um the Star Wars combat much more sort of action reflex style where Star Trek combat is much more tactical and yeah. you know, positioning and approach and issue these orders and wait for those orders to be executed by the ship as it turns and, and fires and right. kind of thing where, you know, if you're in a X wing or a tie fighter, you've got to be like moving around and doing loops and trying to get your shots to connect and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's understandably a lot more difficult to do in an MMO when you've got data packets and, clipping and other players and and all that kind of stuff it's easier to do in a single player game but yeah um, how, how, hey can i ask you a super nerd question about star trek i just thought okay. of night i'm sure somebody nerd is i say nerd mm -hmm. lovingly because i, I am one sure. has figured out by now so what why in the world in a in a world universe or a ship that has these things called inertial dampeners where they can mm -hmm. take off at light speed and not even feel like that they're the gravity's totally compensated. Right. And how come the ships have to move slow and can't just spin around and people not not it does should not affect them, right? Like gravity should just be compensated totally. And how come they are hit by laser beams and they seem to jerk from side to side, but inertial dampers don't can't compensate for that? Well, a thing you'll hear them say a lot, especially in later shows when they got more consistent with their uh, fake science and technology, yeah, is that the inertial dampeners will fail, right? They're like, okay. inertial dampeners are failing. And so I, it's probably this idea of like in 
in Star Trek, the only um, the only resource that matters is energy. Yep. And you have to. I mean, you see a little bit of this in that in that simulator game that you uh, had me try. Like, if you are going to, um, uh, what if you're going to go to? I think it's if you're going to go to warp, you have to drop shields. Yep. Because it takes both of those things take a lot of energy. Um, right. That was the whole premise behind the first time you see a Romulan uh, warbird that can cloak. They can become invisible in space, but in order to do that, they have to not have any shields because it would take too much energy to do both. Right. Um, and so presumably the idea, I mean, obviously the, the real answer is because it looks more exciting on screen. Of course. But the, right. you know, the the fake science explanation is probably that that is all artificial gravity, right? Like they have artificial mm-hmm. gravity on the ship so they can walk around because it's too expensive to make a TV show where people are floating in zero G Yeah, in the sixties. Um, and inertial dampeners would work the same way. It's artificial gravity going the other way, going the other direction to compensate for the movement of the ship. Um, but like, but like a, a galaxy class ship should not have any different maneuverability than a small ship. Correct. Like in space, there is no drag. Right. Yeah, and mass no doesn't drag, have an no issue, friction. so so they should be able to spin as quickly as say a small fighter pilot. But they still have the thing where little, like the Defiant class things, can bob and weave, and while the big huge ships go, you know, spin mm. slow. Star Wars has the same issue too, but like There's why no can't Star Destroyers just flip around? Yeah, they, they move really slowly. There's no friction, but there is still mass. I don't know. I'm not a. I I never took physics in school, so right. I don't know. I'm sure that there's there's some degree of that that you're onto. Of course, the most onerous thing that both of those franchises do is there's sound in space. But uh, oh yeah, ex- explosions and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, okay, so moving away from all of the that just super my my stuff. one my one final like sort of frustration take whatever with MMOs and and going back. Um, and I had this when. Even when I originally tried to play ESO, so it's not so much about coming back to a, to an MMO, but it's yeah. about coming to one late, whether that means you played it and you came back, or you heard about it and now that it's gone free to play, or it's on this new platform, or it's this third expansion, or whatever, you're coming back. Yep. Um, every MMO I've played, and this is just part of the thing, it's like the... The whole economy is like the player puts in effort for an amount of time and they get a reward. That reward might be some kind of performance enhancer, like a level or a piece of gear or something like that. Or it could be something, um, as we say, cosmetic. It doesn't improve the, the character's performance, but it makes them look distinct or gives them a different kind of mount or ship or whatever, depending on the franchise. And so the longer a game goes on, the greater your chances that that stuff is going to become, I'm just going to say silly. (laughs) Okay. So like when I played Star Trek Online, as an example, people had Tholian ships, like the big insectoid ships, or they would have some kind of, 
nebula class something starship that was like 10 times the size of my constitution class right or from the different franchises or they have the ship that looks like the discovery yeah. or i'll play final fantasy they added a mount in that game that has four seats there's like the person who uses it and they can carry three people with them it looks like a car because one of the final fantasy games or whatever has cloud and those guys or whatever driving around in a car because who knows i don't there's very little about that franchise that i understand and so the the risk when you come to an mmo late is that it might be very very silly and <laughs> yeah, that right. like i just call it the mmo thing um and so that should make you want to get into a game when it's new the sure. trouble is a game that's new has still not figured itself out it's like a newborn yeah the, you know the players are still figuring out what they want out of it the devs are still trying to figure out what the players want out of it they're still fixing bugs they're still you know whatever all of that stuff there's all of that um extra new cost stuff. associated with being an early adopter as we and, say and, and true of, of we're no longer things, in but. the classic uh, golden age of mmos where they were launched every other week nowadays they're a rare thing for an mmo to launch yeah yeah i mean yeah. remember it, it was like and it four takes or five time i mean people least. were up until you know who knows what they'll say now that classic is out but when people compared to like What's the game? What's the wow killer? You know, people talked about that for 15 years. And in the last two, three years, I've started to hear more people say that, like, if you're bored with, you know, retail world, which they didn't call it retail because classical is now, but if you're bored with World of Warcraft, um, Final Fantasy 14, this third expansion now is really good. Or, Guild Wars 2, same thing. You'd like the, yeah. this second, third expansion for Guild Wars 2 is really good. And yeah. that's cool. You know, that there are other games and other uh, things people want to play, but it's hard to get into a thing that late. Yeah. Right. Because you don't know. You didn't, you know, it's, and, and part of it is a little bit of not quite sunk cost fallacy, but um, the idea of, a lot of the people saying that XYZ is really good um, have been playing it the whole time and have a different kind of appreciation for it. I, I will say on the topic of getting into things late, a problem there too is that because systems have changed so much or enhanced and, and developers and games try to you know, uh, add new things and make things for current players feel better, is that it causes some issues for old players. And, and the ca case in point, mm -hmm. what I'm going to say here is that um, when I went into to Star Wars, uh, I, I'll go into like being overwhelmed with my character in a minute. But mm -hmm. I, I started a new character, and it's just like every 30 seconds, there's so much of a new tutorial thing that they're throwing in my face now that I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. this is new from before. And oh, I didn't have to, I think this is different than I had to do before. And they're giving me all tons of choices for a million things at every point because they've added all these new systems in the last, you know, seven years. 
and and now now you have to learn how what champion points are and now there's a galaxy conquest points and yeah. you start that at yeah. level three and like wow there's just like every system in the world is constantly tutorials and like none of it matters until later mm. but you're starting to get points or a new interface you know happens so it's like they got to explain it and it's like oh my god it's right. just it's so much whereas before it was like you're just leveling and you're just getting your character skills and like for example in star wars you're you're just uh, a bounty hunter until you're level 40 and then at level 40 you pick a subclass until you're level 60 and that's the game now mm. like they've retooled it all where you pick your subclass from like level five and there's like other bunch of other subclass options now. So now the thing that it was made to level all the way up and gradually learn, you get it right off the bat and it's really overwhelming. But if you've played, been playing since day one for 10 years, you want to do that right away. You don't want to wait 40 levels to make choices and stuff, right? It's just, but it's not as new, new player friendly. Um, yeah. But the the going back to thing, which, since we're on the topic of going back and saying it chance with MMOs, for I, if I had one piece of advice, if you're going to quit an MMO, first off, don't assume you're never going to go back because you might. Two, clear out your inventory. Like for <laughs> the love of God, before you log off for the last time, just like delete all, sell everything in your inventory because if you come back, it's going to spend three hours figuring out what you were happening in your inventory. Which Some is of that happened. depends on the game. The like you might have you might have been in the middle of doing quests that now, like depending on the game, it's like now the Klingons have taken over that zone and those quests are just completely gone. Yeah, uh, I had no idea. One the, of them was like the, that, an event. That the ended. trouble with that advice for me is that I very rarely like actively quit an MMO, and I yeah. have, but more often what happens is I will suddenly see it on my desktop and realize I haven't logged into it for a month and go, does this game have a subscription? I should cancel that. Right. And then once I do, I'm like, you know, I, if I know that I'm not doing anything permanent, like in WoW, if I'm going to delete a character, I always have to log in. That character's like level three. I'm going to log wow. into them anyway, just to see if they have something. There's literally nothing they could have gotten in three <laughs> levels right. that's rare or or irreplaceable. But right. I'm like, just to check, mail all of their like five silver to a bank <laughs> alt and then and then log out and, and delete them. Like I'm active about that. But if I quit an MMO, I usually have like, uh, you know, faded out of it. And I'm like, man, I'm just going to uninstall this. Oh, uh, see, I'm that's maybe that's the difference because I don't do that. I think when I quit MMOs, I I every MMO I come back to, I'm at a purposeful spot. I almost mm-hmm. I, for WoW, for Star Wars, for. A guild wars for everything like i logged back in and they're in some vista spot where i'm like i took my last moment to overlook oh, yeah. Stormwind, and i that's where it was and now i'm logging out i and, saw i saw people <laughs> on reddit doing that before classic launched like one guy was a druid so yep. he took himself to uh to moonglade the druid yep. um sort of sort of secret grove mm-hmm. and like set them up on a on a balcony ledge somewhere and they're like this is where my druid's gonna retire yeah that's uh, that's kind of how i felt like this is kind of, uh, you know Aran is i went to the warlocks guild and set into the at, around the cauldron with all the other warlocks and i was like this is where i'm gonna end up being on the council and i'm a thing and, and i and i it's logged it, out it, it's one of those like 
even if you don't role play in a role playing game in an <laughs> right. RPG, as we call them, you still if it if the game is any good, you still have little pieces of immersion. Yeah, where you're like, yeah. I think our buddy Blake asked me about something, and I logged into my mage character, which is the one I played in Battle for Azeroth. And I was like, you know what? As long as I'm here, I'm going to portal back to Stormwind to the Mage Tower and like sit sit my character up on a rooftop somewhere, and that's where that's where she'll be. Whenever <laughs> yeah. I, come back. I, I had I had a a moment yesterday with I got a new helmet for my bounty hunter in the Star Wars game, and one of the options mm-hmm. is that you can. You had like a little dressing room thing where you can make your character mm-hmm. have other helmets because he had a, a cool helmet before. And now as you do in leveling, you've got a piece of crap looking helmet and you yeah. put it on and like, I want that old helmet. So I went to put it on and then I was like, it's not a big deal because I'm going to go through this helmet and get another one in like three levels or whatever. <laughs> but, but the thing is when I, as soon as I went into a, a cut scene and he's walking around with that helmet on, um, I was like, Okay, it costs four thousand credits to make this my helmet, my my view, which you get about five hundred credits a quest to give you perspective. Mm. And I'm like, four thousand seems a lot for a stupid thing, but as soon as I saw that, what I see is my <laughs> badass bounty hunter who's tough and rough have these eyeball glasses that look stupid. I was like, nope, I'm totally spending it yeah. on something that is dumb and doesn't matter. I but I spend a lot of time doing that in every game. My my. <laughs> Bridge crew on Star Trek Online all had original series uniforms in like, like Kelly green <laughs> instead of being gold and and blue and red. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna all be green because my captain is a redhead and yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. Whatever. I I uh, so there's that there's that bit of emergence. So coming back with with Star Wars and Guild Wars is the same way. Um, I spent an entire evening. I'd say three hours saying I, I sat at my desk and I said, I gave a great big exhale. <sighs> okay, here we go. I'm just going to do like three hours of reading where I have to read mm. all the skills. I have to read <laughs> what this does, reorganize my, my panel, yeah. go out into the world at a newbie zone and then shoot. So I know what's the, what's it called? The order of things that you use. You know, like I shoot this first, the rotation. Then this, my rotation. And yeah. then go. Then next step is okay. What's companions? Okay. Next step is what are trade skills? Next is what are you know X, Y, or Z um, skill trees? And then by the time the night's over, you haven't actually done anything. You've just caught up. I I have a very bad habit of starting a game or coming back to a game, and that's another one of the things when you come back to a game, you're like, if it's changed drastically, like. In, in World of Warcraft, if you haven't played for an expansion or two, your class, aside from the fundamental like class fantasy of it, could be completely different. You totally. come back and like I've had this feeling many times where I'm like, I feel like I've forgotten more about this game than I ever learned or whatever. Yeah. You know, that, that's right. a weird turn of phrase, but totally. Um, I have a I have a very bad habit of like playing for a while and just kind of button mashing because most MMOs are so easy now that you're like, yeah, I'll use this and then this. And when I was playing Final Fantasy, it can play with a mouse keyboard or a gamepad. And the way it plays with the gamepad is you pull one or the other of the left or right triggers and then your four, your eight buttons, your four buttons in your D-pad will um, 
will activate, you know, eight abilities. So you have yeah. 16 abilities visible. They call it the cross action bar. Yeah. Because these two sets of eight. And there's so much going on. Like you can't mouse over abilities without a mouse um, to read their tooltips and see what they do. And so like I had played for, you know, several sessions before I actually sat and looked at them because like I assigned everything in the book onto the bar and I'm like, okay, well this attacks and this attacks and what, and then like I had to force myself to sit and look at them and go, okay, this one is a damage over time. If I spam this one while it's still got 20 seconds left on its duration, I'm just wasting mana. Exactly. But you, you you didn't remember that before and now you have to remember everything. And Oh no. I mean, it had been like a solid two or three years since I had played last. I'm like, Right. Yeah, I'm just going to use whatever abilities on cooldowns. And I'm like, it's not very efficient, but I'm, you know, over-leveled for this content, so it doesn't matter. And then, yeah, to actually sit and... Uh, it's sitting to, yeah, that was my learn. last night. I think last night was with Star Wars. It was like, because there's a couple of things with Star Wars. I wanted, to, I wanted to go back and experience the stories. I've said that a couple of times. I want to go back and experience the different yeah. stories. I'm really kind of, even now, excited about getting in there and playing. Because I, believe it or not, I didn't play any of the Jedi stories. Like I, there's mm. like of the eight classes, there's at least four of them are Jedi type classes for sensitives. And, and I, there was so much other ones that were very cool to me that I didn't, I didn't pick and play the Jedi. I thought I'd get around to it and never did. So I kind of mm. want to play those. And, and I, hell, I even want to play the clone troopers. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing is, so those I could follow one, but I really, now that I haven't played for four five, six years, um, I want to go back. There's so many expansions and my character's main story has progressed. Like I can go forward mm. now and I want to get back in them, but then I just log on and I'm like, Oh man, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. And let alone wanting to go play the story. I can't even like move around and <laughs> no, I mean, I had a hard time realizing that, Oh yeah, there's like text or what's it called? What's the, and wow, they're called Griffins. You take the Griffins and, and like, oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. what you do. And there's mounts and mount buttons. Or, and how do I yeah. learn that interface? And yeah, so there's just there's just a, so much with it. You know, it doesn't only it doesn't only hold true with um, MMOs. A lot of games are like that. Like I had a hard time if I don't go back to a game like uh, Uncharted uh, for a while, and I'm in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I'll, like, I'll what, be lost. What, what's going on here? Yeah, or how do I run and jump again? And there was I got like a, a grappling hook now, and you know, um, I did this last weekend. I had another very similar thing. My daughter started playing uh, Hollow Knight and really getting okay. into it, and I watch her play it, and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to play that up again. I only played like halfway through, um, and then I hop back in, and I am utterly lost because mm-hmm. you know it's that's a Metroidvania type game. And you develop slowly over playing, let's say, Metroid, a a muscle memory skill thing. Like, you know how to run, jump, slide, shoot, shoot, shoot up, shoot down. It's a thing. It ties into a thing I said last week where so many games now have RPG elements. Like, things that people think are just games. You're like, oh, it's just a game with a a level, with a leveling mechanic. And you're like, yeah. 15 years ago, a game with a leveling mechanic was an RPG. Yeah. Um, another kind of game didn't have levels. Yeah, Mario a, did a not have A fighting game. Yeah, Mario didn't have 
character levels. It had, you know, map levels. But yeah, but, it, but no, um, but it didn't have like Mario still had beyond like getting his like Tanuki suit or his different suits. He didn't. Yeah, you'd change. unlock a he temporary still jumped thing. and bounced, and that was it. Right, and one of the one of the defining characteristics, at least as I think of it, of a Metroidvania game, and again, this is uh, that's a portmanteau of the Metroid franchise and the Castlevania franchise. Yeah. Usually, side-scrolling, um, not quite roguelike, but like difficult, you know, sort of games, mm-hmm. um, is that. Um, the only progression or like power increase, like I was talking about earlier in MMOs, where you get something with a with a power increase, performance enhancement. Mm-hmm. Um, the only progression that you make in that metric is your skill as a player. Like your character never gets stronger aside from like you said with Mario, like temporary buffs, and there are things in between. Like, well, I think we talked a few months ago about. Uh, Dead Cells, a rogue light, as they yeah. call it, which is a game that I really like, despite not really being a fan of a game games with very strong uh, difficulty. difficulty curve yeah. or or things like that. You can sort of very slowly make tiny little micro enhancements to your character as you get further on on each subsequent run. But yeah, if you you know, I played that game for a while and then went away from it for like six months and when i came back it was like starting all over i'm like i don't remember how do i what button do i push to dodge okay that's and then yeah it's this, so difficult and, and, and just and just now the games instantly. with the, those leveling those games like a metroidvania have added the rpg elements to them and now you're you're very much like oh i had not only did i, I now i don't mario doesn't jump he also has a dash and he has got wall climb mm-hmm. now and he's but i gotta know how to do that right because it's not just I, like yeah. your basic stuff i had to earn it and now I've got all of it and I'm halfway. Yeah, it was it was very difficult <laughs> to get back into it. And I'm still almost at the point where I'm like, do I just start all over? Because I don't know, which <laughs> it makes me feel sad because it's so like such a long involvement in it. Um, so right. I, I have what I have to do, though, actually, is get better at just finishing a game. Like I need to play it when I'm done, play it again <laughs> right. next week and, you know, focus, focus, focus. But. I don't do that. I used to be better about that kind of stuff. And I still sort of am. I played all the way through the second Tomb Raider a few months ago. Yeah, that's, that's but, impressive. Uh, I mean, when nowadays when you can finish a game, it does feel a lot pretty impressive, doesn't it? Like, I did that. I yeah, think. like you've you've gotten through the story. You, yeah. you know, see see how it ends and all of that. You feel like you, you've put it on the shelf and you can walk away from it for a while at least. So, ugh. I don't well, know the last time I did that. Speaking of uh, long-involved stories that you finally get the, to the end of and <laughs> I know where you're going here. Shelf. Uh, let's talk about our 2020 challenge. Okay, so you started this very well. Very long and involved. And I almost want us to play instead of our normal 2020 challenge, but play the Ride of the Valkyries for this one. Play Flight of the Valkyries, yeah. This is um, the... Uh, 1979 or eight? 79. Oh, I'm glad I didn't say Scorsese because this is a, a Coppola, Francis Ford yeah, Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Apocalypse Now. It's all about yep. the Vietnam War. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first. Okay. Um, 
we watch uh so let me let me hit this at the start spoiler bell um if you've not seen the 1979 uh vietnam war epic francis ford coppola's epic epic apocalypse right. now you should uh uh skip probably to the end because we're an hour into this but yep. here's a spoiler bell Yeah, so we watched, um, as I understand it, and I'm, I'm by no means an expert on anything we're going to say in the next half hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just the, the disclaimer for this whole <laughs> show. Disclaimer the whole um, show, say. We are not experts. We watched, we watched the redo, or redux. I have to think now that it's redo because the scene is, or the sequence is them interacting with the French family. So I have to assume it's the French pronunciation um, of this movie that has, as I just said, a whole segment with a French family that's that was cut from the original film put oh, back in. So that instead makes sense. of the okay, cool. Instead of the two-hour twenty-seven-minute runtime you see on IMDb, we watched the full like three-hour fifteen-minute version. Oh wow! I didn't. I did not know that. Okay, that that wasn't. Um, I had not I seen this before. Up, yeah, I tried to watch this when I was in college and at some point got a little bit fatigued by it and thought that I could multitask. Mm-hmm. Um I don't remember what I was Every, doing. Everyone does that does that same thing and everyone who watches this movie stops watching after the Ride of the Valkyries. Like <laughs> that that's everybody knows that. They know the scenes, they know the smell of and napalm in the morning, and then they stop and watching. And it's so it's so early in the movie that that sequence. I mean, right. relatively speaking, it's probably not like in the original runtime. It's probably like forty minutes in. But um, I and whatever I was doing, you know, in my dorm room or whatever, I was listening instead of watching. And there's so much visual storytelling in this movie. It's not like um, you know some other things that we've seen. Like there's still a lot of dialogue. Um, but if you're not watching, you're really missing it. And you're like, what is even going on? Um, I watched a YouTube video about this after I was done. Like, what does it all mean or something like that? I should have. You're right. Um, and the, uh, the guy in on this YouTube video said something interesting that really holds true is that the story is told in an, in an episodic framework it's a little bit like every time I hear that about a movie, I think of a Christmas story. Okay. Um, because there are so many things that happen in a Christmas story that like if you asked somebody what's the what's the plot, what's the story of a Christmas story? Right. And like what order do, do things happen in? You say, Well, the the kids go and, and see Santa. Does that happen before or after the lamp breaks? Yeah. Or the kid gets his tongue stuck to the pole. Does that happen before or after um, Ralphie gets the little orphan Annie pin? Right. Um, and people won't know because it's just this like sequence of events um, thrown in all, all you know, together. And mm-hmm. that happens in this movie too, except that a lot of it is sort of tied to the progression of the characters on the boat and the Martin Sheen character, as he becomes more and more disenfranchised with the war. Yep. Um, and there are 
definitely entire sequences, entire, we'll just say episodes, because I started this off saying it's episodic, mm-hmm. um, that don't matter to the main story. Yeah. Or or what we think is the main story. Like, it seems like the main story is this narrative of Martin Sheen going up the river to find Marlon Brando. Yeah. And, and, and but, kill that guy. That, that's, and kill that seems guy. Seems like that's the goal. But it's really... The movie is really just about showing you things that happened or could have happened during the Vietnam War and just how batshit crazy everything was. Right. I, don't, I apologize for that. Right. But no, story, it's but it, that, that that's very uh, correct with the, this. Is that's if, what they're trying to tell you is the... If the Coppola things is. we see in this movie are even 80% accurate, um, then... There's no way to describe that history, that situation, without using strong language. No, it's opinion. it's true. It's the and I think it is the truth of it all. And I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to watch because it does feel like. I mean, as Americans, I think we have a lot of things that we know that aren't r- good, but we also do have a lot of pride in in our country and things that we do feel sure. that we do well and we are we stand for and you know democracy and freedom and and the American way and stuff like that 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 we do have a lot of pride in, good healthy pride. We also have some things that we know are mistakes, but the Vietnam War, I don't know of anyone. It's an entire generation of people that this. It defined everything about them. I, I mm-hmm. afterwards, I the only thing I read a little bit was is this guy was like, "Hey, is, I, I was wondering, is it do people Americans still visit Vietnam? Like, is it?" And the article I read was somebody writing who's a travel journalist. Like, you know, he went over there and he was, you know, what's it like to how are Americans treated over there? Um, and the mm. the thing is, is that he said, you know, they don't see it the same. They call it the American war, by the way, they don't call it the Vietnam war. Um, and mm. they well, see, well, yeah. it, they see it differently because they won, you know, they, it's a totally different kind of thing. But, mm. but the, the real hint here is that, um, you know, some people say, Oh, do they act like it's, it, it, you know, they act like they act like it didn't happen. It didn't happen for us, whatever he says, but you can't just take the Vietnam war out of that generation's history. It defined everything about the baby boomers and their generation. Like I mean, you go back to hippies, you know, what you is the 70s about that? 2001, 2002, when we, the United States, invaded Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm-hmm. Iraq again, I should say. Um, and you can still sort of, I'm going to be a little poetic here, but you can still feel the reverberations of the Vietnam war in people's reactions to all of that. Um, right. You know, I've read, I've, I've not read or studied this in any um, uh, depth, but I've heard people say, well, and by heard, I mean read on a comment on a Reddit thread or yeah, something, yeah. Um, you know, of people who were there, who had to, who were still there when we left and yeah. I'm using personal pronouns, but um when the United States pulled out of that conflict and had to see on the faces of the people, the South Vietnamese, um, that sort of despair 
when you know they were losing all of that and i'm sure that affects people's um mindset about how we handle this sort of similar situation in iraq right um you know and that's what 40 50 years later yeah i th- i will say my first impressions of this taking it now we to take a step back from the whole Vietnam part of it, which is hard to take out of this, but mm-hmm. it, it, um, it's star studded Harrison Ford's in this for Pete's sakes, you yeah. know, and, and just a, like you barely see him. Yeah. But you notice his voice. I mean, I was listening and not yeah. watching at the time. I was, I was like, is that Indiana? It is Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, like Lawrence Fishburne's in this really young. I wonder, I wondered if you, if you caught that or, or noticed that. Yeah, I, it's, it's I looked Morpheus up the cast when I started. Cause I was like, who is, who all is in this? Who's this guy? Because everybody's so young, yeah. you know, the the people that I know from their more recent work, this is, you know, 1979, it's so long ago, um, that I'm like, I can see Martin Sheen's, like, characteristics, but I really see more Emilio Estevez than... Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I was I was going to say, I actually, when, I, when it loaded up at the very first scene, I had to call up the cast for you to see that that was Martin Sheen, because... I cannot believe how much him and Charlie and Emilio all look alike. Like, all look alike. But of that's course, if you crazy how much they look alike. If you ask somebody to picture Martin Sheen, you see Martin Sheen from West Wing. Exactly. I I have to think that this this movie is like Coppola's um, Schindler's List. Oh, for right? sure. Right. It was like whatever whatever age he was, whatever his interaction experience was with the Vietnam War. This was like his, you know, he found this book and said, I'm going to use the, the the powers that I have to bring this horror to people who didn't live through it. Yeah, for sure. And, and so that so that the, they can and it hopefully doesn't have to happen again. And I can see I can see that. But I, I will say that. It had a lot of the things that that always make me feel like a movie is is not fun. Is that when it mm. just it lingers on scenes, and there's a scene when it, one in particular, and this is just one of many, is when they're yeah. going down the boat like they always are, and Lawrence Fishburne is talking about the Playboy things, like they do several times, but it goes on for like seven eight minutes. They're not doing anything. And it's just like him talking a story and then it just pauses on Martin Sheen staring off into something, no Mm -hmm. words, and just a little bit of music for 30 seconds. And then it goes to another guy and they're looking, they're showing the the inhabitants on the side of the the beach just staring at them for a while. And you're like, oh my God, please keep moving on. You know, this is the slowest boat to China I've ever been on. (laughs) I mean, I think, I think that's part of it too. Like, you know, they're in, you know, I've never served in the military, but when I was a reenactor that, you know, we would say the thing they say in the military all the time is hurry up and wait, like long periods of just tedium. One of the things I noticed, and this is a thing that I will notice and complain about in very low budget stuff. Like I've listened to a couple of, um, scripted, uh, like radio drama podcasts. Yeah which is a weird combination of of words but um the voice actors will do this sort of like amateur theater thing where one character is supposed to interrupt another character in the script 
but they're not quick enough on the draw. And so the first, the first character pauses mid sentence before the second interrupts them. Yeah. And you're like, that's the most unnatural sort of dialogue, um, thing (laughs) that I've ever seen. And this movie did like the opposite of that, where I felt like there were so many times where the people were talking over each other and like yeah. one guy's talking and the other's, t- you know, and every time the, the captain of the ship would give an order to one of the guys, he would argue with him and he would mutter about it and, and argue some more. And I'm like, Oh, this is, I see this is the, it's the chain of command breaking down. And it's sort yeah. of a, um, it's partly about the war and it's also about society. And they also, I felt like, because I couldn't remember how this ended, even though I had seen it before, um, I felt like if you were paying attention to some of the details in the cinematography, they were sort of hinting as sort of a false um, red herring or mislead or whatever, um, that uh, Martin Sheen would get all the way in there and then he would become the Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, that's the, what I the thought. Next, you know, he would that. take over. And of course they, you know, the, the photojournalist wants him to, you yeah. know, they'll, they, they show the photo, the like last known photo of Marlon Brando is just a silhouette. Right. They show that a couple times and then eventually they start showing, I think they do it at least twice where they'll show Martin Sheen like while the other guys are arguing and then the the scene will will fade in such a way that he's in silhouette that looks really similar to that photo. Right. And I'm like, "Oh, I see this is foreshadowing." And I thought they were foreshadowing the whole movie. I thought, you know, that's like exactly what they were doing. Red hair. I mean, he, yeah, he finds the other um the other captain that they sent on a previous mission and yeah. he basically just joined him. Yeah. Um and yeah, sell the house, sell the car, sell the kids. I was like, geez. Yeah. When he tells that. Just, just that like, it's, it's this just breakdown of society. Like he gets all the way in there and he's like, society is, is crazy. Like we'll just be here and in the jungle and survive. Well, that, that's and, one thing I will say. And again, I'm no student of modern day military history. I'm just speaking as some stupid geek on the internet. <laughs> but but I will say that I, I of the things that I've watched of documentaries and modern stuff on on the World Wide Web and, and on uh, public broadcast stations, modern military stuff since the 90s forward has done has had a lot of people who trained who were in Vietnam, who were in those kind of situations. And they train right. they've trained the modern military to realize and change the entire way of how we make American troops and that you train them to have mental, uh, endurance that you, not just mental endurance, sure. but you, but it's, they call it like the muscle memory. It's how they do the seals. It's like a, you train again and again and again under real life combat situations so that you, when the situation comes down, you don't have a breakdown of, of command. You don't have a breakdown of the rules of engagement and the rules of the world of war. So that, because that's what you didn't have in Vietnam. You just had 20 years of people throwing 17, 8-year-old, 19-year-old kids into this thing, getting them through basic like four or five weeks of boot camp as they can, and then shipping them out into this this world. Well, because they were in, the, and they say this in the movie, like when they, 
when they gun down the boat full of civilians and Martin Sheen executes the last one, he's like, they had just done this horrific thing and now they were going to try to get her, you know, the, the one partial survivor to a, to a man. He right. said, whatever he said, like, like we, we pepper them with bullets and then put a bandaid on them as a way to like, try to, try to backpedal and, and salve our conscience. And it's, yep. you know, it's nonsense. This is why I had mentioned to you earlier that um, after watching the show is a good time to watch the, the movie Rambo. It's like the first Rambo. I think it's called first blood, but it could be just Rambo. Hmm. Um, it's because it starts off with a guy who is basically the Martin Sheen character coming home and it might be Kentucky or Tennessee uh, from the Vietnam War. And he is okay. as shell shocked and as saw all the kind of things that that Martin Sheen did. And he's expected mm-hmm. to just come back and be reintegrated. And then it handles it from the American side is that this town of people don't want those baby killer psycho people coming back into their country. Sure. And and that's and so it's like these these Vietnam people trying to come back into the world with the PTSD and the insanity that they see and live in and then the world rejecting them and pushing them out. And it's so watching Rambo after this one gives you a lot of perspective of if you think of it as Martin Sheen, it's like, Oh yeah, Mm. well you you got a crazy cop, you know, threatening this guy. And then, you know, chasing him down with dogs, he's going to react like he did when he was in Nam, how Martin Sheen would react going crazy off the reservation and running out into the woods. Um, because that's exactly what I he remember, did in Vietnam. Um, when I was high school age, whatever, some younger guys who were, they must have been old enough to hunt. Of course, I live in rural northern Indiana where sport hunting is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And... A couple of them asked one of the older guys, this was at our church, um, asked him if, if he ever hunts, does he hunt deer? And he said, he said, no, but I've, I've hunted men. And after you've taken a K bar, which is a military knife, big knife, uh, and hunted men, um, hunting deer doesn't really, uh, I forget how he said it, like hold any appeal. Uh, Of, of all the scenes in this the show that was really trying to beat me over the head with how terrible it was. The one scene where he's prisoner and they throw chef's head in his lap was Mm. that one to me was the most like market, like that would scar you for life. There's so much to scar him for life, but the here's this guy that was like helping him and doing his, his one lifeline. And then just randomly out of the dark, no words said, his head is plopped in his lap and he can't move. Can't even get it off of his lap. And it's like, Oh man. Yeah. You know, like you don't, you don't come home and just that things are normal then, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not the same. All right. So let's, let's wrap this thing up here. What what do you um, you think about this? Final judgment. So (coughs) obviously this is not a movie that you watch for fun. (laughs) No. Um, it's somewhere between, so, well, there's not even really a question of this. Like, my question that I've been asking for the last couple of weeks is, is this a movie that you watch to enjoy, or is it significant in the history of film? Let's say... I don't know if it's either. This, yeah. Is this a movie that is significant in the history of film, or is it significant in the way that 
um, City of God and or Schindler's List are significant to watch. It's like a not a documentary, but it's leaning that way. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a it's a trying to tell you a it's trying to tell you a story or a a thing about the world that happened. Now, a couple things with that is one that it's it's a pers- it's not a documentary. So no. While you and I have been saying how terrible the Vietnam War is, we actually know how bad it all was. It's there's there's no real people here. There's no documentation. There's no proof. This is just like a story that was written. So it's it's completely fictional. That's that's something we got to unlike Schindler's List that is one hundred percent fact, right? Um, and and or even City of God where it's not one hundred percent fact, but it's based very strongly on a thing that happened. Uh, this was, this was not, um, so you can't, I couldn't just say, oh, this is something you should watch in high school as like to, to see what happened. So I don't know about, and I should have, I should have done this research before we recorded, but I don't know about the book. I feel like the book was written by a veteran at the time who was, but it could be, it could be completely fictionalized. There's somewhere in between like, you know, like we saw with Chernobyl, like they compressed a couple hundred people all down into one, or it could be just completely like the story is is fake but the the details the other like vignettes are are more accurate i don't yeah, know yeah like i i mentioned the, the playboy girl thing like i wanted to go online and see like was there an, there was an episode where some play play girl models went over there and then now where they were shot down or something or the like is that completely fabricated because that that was a big kind of poignant scene, and it was making a point. And it's like, is that a valid point, or can they just say, no, this is just a story we made up to make it feel more realistic? So that's that was kind of what I was trying to say is that I can't take sure. it in the same grain of salt as those other movies because those other movies mm-hmm. I could say, even though they're mature, you should watch these in high school or college because you should know about these things that happen. This one I don't know because. It's not necessarily a, a documentary or a, it never claims to be a real thing. Um, yeah. And it's and it's walking a weird kind of line where like Schindler's List is showing you, yes, these awful things are happening. But there was this one guy who sort of was manipulated into helping, but then eventually did help. And there's no like. Well, not none because it's still Spielberg, but there's very little um, like emotional manipulation. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie that you could call and you probably should call anti-war. It's it's a propaganda movie for sure. Right. I mean, you like, in look how horrible this is. And it just keeps getting more and more horrible. Yeah. But... When you first see those choppers come over the jungle with the sun and they're playing Wagner and they start shooting stuff down, you're like, F yeah, right? It's like, it's like, you know, military porn at at times. And so it's this very strange uh, kind of uh, dichotomy there. Right. Now, now from an entertainment standpoint, like. Cause we got to bring this into that. Cause I, I, you know, I always do. Yeah. I, I don't think it was very entertaining. I, I mentioned several no. times in this kind of review, it was long drawn out. It, it suffers from having no zero editor. It feels like <laughs> while, while you can say that about something like Schindler's list, 
and other movies that take the same kind of liberties, like you said, like the Fort Coppola's version of what Spielberg was able to do with the story. This one he did, but he actually could have greatly benefited from an editor. Because well, and we saw the, again, we saw the less edited, even longer version, but for sure. I mean, yeah. I think those decisions were intentional, but it's, it's yeah, that kind of thing where we're much further away from the war than they were in 1979. Yeah. Um, and it's just difficult to watch. I mean, I think it, it basically, for me, alternated between like, not mind-blowing, not uncomfortable, but just kind of like, Moments where I just went, oh, man, just like difficult sequences. It alternated between that and tedium, which I think was intentional, but it still makes it difficult to watch. Exactly. It doesn't make it entertaining. So so if a lot of times movies and the, the art of film is supposed to be entertainment, it's that's kind of what it is. This is not an entertaining thing. This is maybe in the realm of documentary and educational, but it's not really an educational piece. So where do you put this movie? I don't put it on a bucket list for those reasons, because I don't, I think there's other Vietnam or anti-war kind of movies that could have done it better and could be better at that than this one. Sure. uh, Francis Ford Coppola is great. This has its place. And maybe we're not seeing it because we weren't there in 1979 in the time of when this came out with the people who lived in Vietnam and were watching this. So maybe that's a thing. Yeah, I, f- I feel like as much as I hate to, you know, also get on that negative point of view, um, I think you could probably, there's got to be something out there that can give you an equivalent sense of how horrible war and Vietnam War is was um with less uh kind of sensational manipulation or like huge existential sociological uh uh or not sociological philosophical um um heavy-handedness or or something yeah you Just know I, like, I i wonder i wonder yeah. if though if when this now that I just said it in 1979, when this came out in the theaters and people are are coming home from the war and they go watch this movie, if it wasn't the chance for them to feel vindicated fully and like this, this is what it was like, people. This is what you know, it, it, this is what we're living through. This is the kind of life that we lived for the last five, six years, 10 years, yeah. you know, and then a lot of America who who were hippies and people who didn't see it finally had their eyes opened by watching this movie and saying like, wow, that's what it was really like. I thought it was just like, you know, on mash, you know, cause they were watching <laughs> mash and then they get, so maybe that's something that you and I aren't seeing is that when it was in 1979, when it was seen like this, people were, had their eyes opened by a very impactful movie that was very relevant to them. Very close. You know, I mean, I think if you are, a mature adult who can handle some pretty gruesome violence and, um, you know, nothing, nothing in any of the special effects here, uh, doesn't hold like it all completely holds up. Yeah, sure. At least I I didn't notice anything that nothing felt like sets or anything sets or, I mean, they didn't have CGI, but like, yeah, 
excessive uh, practical effects or anything like that. And so, I mean, I think probably for most people, unless you're, you know, probably an actual Vietnam vet, um, should should maybe see this once. You don't have to watch the full redo edition that that we did, but um, yeah, just I, just my, to get a little bit of a sense of it. You got to be in the right frame of mind for it. It's not fun. It's it's challenging and and difficult to watch. Yeah, um, my, mine would be that it's a worthy film. My take would be it's a worthy film, but you don't have to watch it. And if you want to learn about the Vietnam War and how bad it was, there are other places to probably watch more inform informational and still get the the weight of it. This one there's is probably a Ken Burns documentary or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. So so this this could All be right, man. this could um, be passed. Next week, let's go a little more uh lighthearted. Please. And um <laughs> we're gonna watch Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, yeah, there we go. All right. Whew. Bring bring Steven back to us as we can do. Steven Spielberg. Yep. Yep. Get, the get original dinosaurs brought back to life movie that yeah they the original director that makes me feel good <laughs> right no matter what it is uh okay cool man awesome and maybe i'll actually be passing by through that way next weekend maybe we can record the show live oh, yeah. i know mondays are rough but we'll see right. how yeah. that works out with when my uh family get back they may have a live show yeah 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 all right, friends, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 106. A special thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing, check out our other show, KlingonsAndDragons.com. It is a Star Trek role-playing podcast. It's not safe for work. We just started publishing the uh, live episode we did of that back at uh, Fox DenCon mm-hmm. 2019. Um, so that's a little... A little different. The audio is worse, but the interactions are better. <laughs> right. That was a good one. Uh, if you have questions or comments, you can tell us everything we're wrong about, about Apocalypse Now or the Vietnam War. You can email us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. Or if you don't like email, you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. We've got contact forms over there. We've got the schedule for the 100 movies. That's a little bit wonky, but I'll try and fix that this week. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are found. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.